this is Looking Closer. I'm Jeffrey Overstreet. It's December 2020. What a year. I'm here in my home office trying to uh, calm down after a very busy autumn quarter at Seattle Pacific University. Trying to catch up on a lot of messaging and um, I gotta say it's always uh, a nice break to walk to the actual physical mailbox and see what is there. Something tangible, something I can hold in my hands instead of uh, just another line of text in my Gmail or whatever. Um, it seems like I can't even keep track of messages anymore because there are so many platforms I have to check. I have my SPU email, my Gmail, my Facebook messaging, my uh, Twitter uh, DMs, my Instagram DMs, etc., etc., etc. Now, um, now at Seattle Pacific, we're using Teams, which is another whole uh, messaging platform. And uh, I, more and more often, I am finding that I can remember hearing something important or receiving something important from somebody, and it takes me forever to track it down. Um, so, how I love the good old-fashioned mailbox. So I want to talk about some of the packages I have received in the actual physical mailbox lately. Um, and it also gives me an opportunity to talk about something I do not often write about at Looking Closer. I started Looking Closer after I graduated from Seattle Pacific University in the mid-90s, specifically because right away I started missing the experience of sitting around a table and taking apart a text. Um, you know, sitting with my classmates, we had all read the same novel or the same essay, and we would sort of dissect it and figure out how it worked and, and uh, come to understand why it was great so that we could imitate greatness on our way to discovering our own voices. And I really missed that. But it was quickly apparent after I graduated that it was going to be difficult to find people who were reading the same books, reading the same essays and then getting together to discuss them in, the, in that very serious, imaginative, uh, communal way, a way that built relationships as well as insight on the text. And that is why I started writing movie reviews and posting them online when people started building their own websites for the first time in the late 90s. As a result, most of what you find in the Looking Closer archives going all the way back to the late 90s are uh, records of my thoughts on film, um, quite a bit on uh, music, but very, very little on books. And yet, that was what I missed. That was the conversation I was craving. So I am delighted to realize that with uh, the beginning of this, this series of recordings, with the beginning of this podcast, uh, I might be able to just sort of spontaneously just sort of spontaneously uh, talk about some of the things I'm reading and recommend them to you. Uh, and recently, in the mail, I've been getting a lot of books. My birthday was a couple of months ago, and my parents, God bless them, they uh, talked with my wife Anne and arrived at this idea. Every summer, for the last 16, 17 years, Anne and I have attended the Glen Workshop, which is a wonderful uh, community of artists and art lovers that that gather in Santa Fe, New Mexico to celebrate the arts, to 
uh, do a week-long workshop on fiction writing or non-fiction writing or visual arts. Sometimes I teach a film seminar there. Um, my first time at the Glenn workshop, I attended a fiction writer's workshop led by the great uh, short story writer and novelist Aaron McGraw. Uh, and that's where I first met Sarah Zarr, the young adult novelist who has gone on to publish so many great novels. Uh, it's, it's a remarkable community. And every summer, um, there is a portable bookstore, a bookstore from Wichita, Kansas, called Eighth Day Books. Uh, a really remarkable collection uh, of books um, overseen by the great Warren Farha, um, who is not just a bookstore owner and manager, uh, but a great mind, an encyclopedia of good advice for what to read. And every year I go to Warren Farha and I ask him, can you recommend the book I should read next? And I will buy it. I will trust your judgment. And he is always, always right. And uh, this year, um, Anne, in conversation and conspiracy with my parents, uh, got me a gift certificate for Eighth Day Books because there was no Glen Workshop happening in person in Santa Fe. Uh, due to the pandemic, and I was missing the chance to walk up and down those aisles of the portable bookstore uh, after Warren Farha set up uh, his inventory in, uh, an, in a big open room on the campus of St. John's College where the Glen Workshop usually takes place. So they gave me this gift certificate and they said, we want you to go to Warren Farha, we want you to contact him and ask him uh, what books you should receive for your birthday. So, I had a wonderful conversation with Warren Farha, and he recommended some wonderful books, and the package recently arrived in my mailbox, and that's what I want to recommend to you today, some of these books. But I want to recommend more to you than that. I want to begin with another book that showed up in the mail right, right around the same time, maybe just, just a little bit after that. And uh, at first I didn't know what it was, I opened it up, and I was very excited to see that it's finally here, the first book written by Charlotte Donlan, who is a friend of mine who was in my class, uh, my group as we moved through the Masters of uh, Masters in Creative Writing program, is what I'm trying to say, at Seattle Pacific University. Uh, Charlotte and I were in the creative nonfiction group, uh, studying with the great writers Lauren Winner and Paula Houston. And uh, I am so pleased and excited to see Charlotte's first book. Um, and I am holding a copy right here in my hands. It's called The Great Belonging, How Loneliness Leads Us to Each Other. It has a foreword by Lauren Winner. I hope you know Lauren's work. She's one of my favorite creative nonfiction writers. Um, and she writes this, this really wonderful foreword. I'm just going to share a couple of lines from that. Uh, Lauren Winner writes, The book you are holding does not aim to cure your loneliness. Instead, the great belonging addresses loneliness as a companion. As you would with any companion, the great belonging inquires into loneliness, into loneliness's history and habits and fears. And in the company of the great belongings fearless and smart author Charlotte Donlan, we, the readers, are allowed to indulge our interest in loneliness. 
And then on the next, uh, on a couple of pages later, she says, I hope you and your loneliness will love this book as much as I do, and that the friendship between the two of you will be enriched by what you find in these pages. Those are the words of Lauren Winner. Uh, then uh, the book begins, and I want to encourage you to put this book on your nightstand or wherever you're likely to just read a little bit of something at a time because it's one of those books where the chapters are so short that you will tell yourself you're just going to read one of them and then after you've read four or five you'll check your watch and realize you've got to run um, but maybe you have time for one more and so uh, you'll move through the book fairly quickly I think but I don't mean to suggest that they are frivolous chapters at all while they are short each one contains deep insight and uh, let me just read to you from the introduction. Charlotte writes, Sometimes I wonder if loneliness resides in an extra secret organ within the body, maybe the size of a plum, a storehouse of dense alienation hidden deep within us. I wonder if God knew we'd need a special place for our loneliness because we would have so much of it. Everyone knows loneliness. Some may experience it more often. Some may find relief from it more quickly. Some may deny or avoid it, but I don't think any of us escapes its company entirely, and I'm no longer sure we should, though I spent many years trying to outrun loneliness and her cunning charms. Indeed, being human requires a touch of loneliness. That's how it begins. Um, and uh, it's really quite a, a substantial book. There are five uh, sections to it. The first is called Belonging to Ourselves, then Belonging to Each Other. Part three is Belonging to Our Places. Part four, Belonging Through Art. And then part five, Belonging to God. Um, so congratulations, Charlotte Donlin, uh, on The Great Belonging. I'm so happy to have a copy of it on my nightstand uh, so that I so that you can keep me company uh, when I'm not quite ready to turn the light out at night. Um, so that is uh, the first book I'm going to mention in the very first book-focused uh, post here on Looking Closer. Now, we're already up to 11 minutes on this little podcast, and I want to let you know that uh, the Looking Closer podcast... Uh, I've sort of imagined that it would come in in three varieties. The episode, the episodes would come in three varieties, and I've given each variety uh, a specific name from the vocabulary of filmmaking. Uh, the hour-long posts, the the um, the sort of deep dive episodes, I'm calling master shot episodes um, for you know that establishing grand panoramic shot that acquaints you with a time and a place. Uh, and that immerses you in a world in a movie. Uh, the 30 minute, uh, approximately 30 minute long episodes I'm calling tracking shots. Uh, you know, the one where you sort of move along with a character across a space, uh, usually with the camera mounted on a dolly. Uh, those posts will often be uh, episodes in which I read something that I've written, like a, a, an older movie review that I want to revisit and maybe uh, rethink that, that movie a little bit. Uh, with you, or maybe it's a, a short conversation uh, with someone. Uh, but I want to have episodes that I call cutaways, just 
um, brief episodes in which I introduce you to a few things I love. And if you know me, you know I am going to have difficulty um, doing anything substantial within 15 minutes, any kind of significant look at something worth looking at. So I'm going to just quickly mention a few more things that I would highly recommend you read, especially during this time of pandemic-enforced loneliness, so to speak, of um, isolation, of quarantine. I don't know if you are um, if you are taking shelter with your family or a friend or a roommate or if you are by yourself, um, but books are good company for us in this time, and Charlotte Donlins is a good one. I would recommend that you invest in Image Journal. Uh, maybe you already have. Maybe this is a time to look back through some episodes of Image Journal that you uh, haven't read yet. Uh, if you don't know what I'm talking about, look up imagejournal.org and discover this this rich archive of publications and essays and stories and poems and visual art. But I want to mention um, issue number 99. Issue number 99 was the winter 2018 issue, so it's two years old now. Uh, but I highly recommend you, you find that issue and you read the opening essay, the editorial statement by James K.A. Smith. He is the relatively new editor-in-chief of Image, and uh, like Gregory Wolfe before him, the, the founding uh, publisher and editor of Image, the visionary who, who um, created this and cultivated it, um, James K.A. Smith begins each essay with a short, or with each issue with a short essay of his own. And in this issue, he has an essay called In Praise of Boredom. I love that title, In Praise of Boredom. Right away, I remember how when I was a kid, um, if I was sent to my room for something that I had done, I was always kind of secretly delighted because I loved being in my room alone with my books and my toys and my crayons. Um, and I thought about that a lot as I read this essay in Praise of Boredom, because what James K.A. Smith is encouraging us to do is rediscover uh, the nourishment that we, uh, we gain through stillness, through times when we aren't frantically checking our phones, for times when we are alone and specifically alone with art. He writes, what is the calling of art in such a world, and how can the arts disrupt these habits, perhaps even teach us to be disappointed by distraction? Who will sing the song that transports us? I won't pretend the answer is simple, he writes, or that I have figured this out. Heaven knows how much time I've lost to Twitter and how many times I've had to apologize. I have no plans to delete my account in a quest for purity. But I know at least this. Instagram won't save us. And tweeted verse will not undo what we've done to ourselves. But neither is there any special enchantment to reading in print. The point isn't platform, but desire. What do we want when we pick up our phones? We don't need better media or to romanticize old media. We need to change what we want. In a world of incessant distraction, the way out might look like learning how to be bored. I really love that. And uh, that's just an excerpt from this essay about that goes on to remind us about the, 
the revelations that can come when we are moving slowly, when we are open to discovery, when we are wandering without any particular purpose, uh, only to suddenly stumble onto something that can then surprise us and engage us in a way that we might have missed if we were distracted by lots of other things. Uh, this is one of the reasons why I like to pile up a whole lot of books on my nightstand that I may or may not read. I may, I may start and not finish. I may just open them to a page in the middle and start reading. It's a certain kind of book that lives on my nightstand. Um, that's a, that idea came to me from John Wilson, the editor of Books and Culture magazine, uh, whose, whose writing and whose recommendations, not unlike Warren Farha's, have greatly influenced me. And he loves to talk about the joys of haphazard reading, of just serendipitously discovering great writing and connections between books that would otherwise um, seem like they belong in different parts of a library or a bookstore. If you haven't read Alan Jacobs on that subject, I also highly recommend his book, The Pleasures of Reading in an Age of Distraction, where he has a chapter on that very thing, uh, serendipitous reading. So I have my students read that essay by James K.A. Smith about uh, boredom, the value of boredom, because I think it's a subject that they're quite unfamiliar with, and it might be a whole new discovery for them to be able to just wander around an art museum for a few hours with no device in their hand. And instead, if anything, um, a small, empty notebook and a pen uh, so that they can let their mind truly wander. Speaking of Alan Jacobs, one of his books was in that package from Eighth Day Books that I got for my birthday, Breaking Bread with the Dead. But in the next Cutaway episode, I'm going to continue to go through this package that came in the mail from my parents um, and share with you the books that Warren Farha sent me to read in late 2020 and early 2021. But for now, I'm well past my 15 minutes, and if this is going to qualify as my first cutaway episode, I should wrap it up. This is Looking Closer with Jeffrey Overstreet. You can find more than two decades worth of writing on the arts, especially movies, at lookingcloser.org. You can follow me at facebook.com slash lookingcloser, and I'm on Twitter as Overstreet. Original music for this episode comes from Todd Fatal, a friend of mine since early childhood, and half of the band, Agents of Future. Look them up at agentsoffuture.bandcamp.com. If you have any questions about what you've heard, or if you'd like to support this podcast or the website Looking Closer, email me at overstreetlookingcloser at gmail.com. That's overstreetlookingcloser at gmail.com. There will be another cutaway episode coming up soon, but until then, keep looking closer, and I would love to hear what you 